There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Number one, on the dam. Number two, all four corners of the dam, upper and lower. I'm seeing a dam theme here. This is Bob the Garbage Man Bratana Nananuski. And one time, I dressed up as an Atlantic City police officer. He goes, hey, do you want your fish clean? And me being four, I'm like, yeah, I would like a, a shiny clean fish. Oh, sweetheart, the great pumpkin has fins. Hey! Good morning, degenerate anglers, and welcome to Bent, the fishing podcast that still dresses up like Roland Martin every Halloween, even though it just spends its entire night explaining that it isn't supposed to be Ric Flair during a golf outing. I'm Joe Cermelli, and guess who's riding shotgun for this entire cut-rate haunted hayride? Hayden Samick, that's who. Yo, how are you, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> I am great, man. Yeah, buddy. Hayden is rolling along for this whole uh, loosely- uh, Halloween theme show Ooh. we're doing since Halloween is this Sunday, uh, which begs the question because uh, I've we've done Halloween show. We did a Halloween show last year, so everybody knows I'm a fan of Halloween. But I don't know. Are you a fan of Halloween? Does this does this holiday excite you? You know, I get a little excited, but it gets different as you get older. Like you know what mm -hmm. I mean. Like at first, mm -hmm. it's this real like wholesome excitement because you're a kid sure. excited about running around with your friends and getting free candy. Then the pendulum swings to the other side around college when you get excited about like completely unwholesome things <laughs> <laughs> relating to Halloween. And, uh, but the pendulum's swinging back, and I'm kind of just excited to like, you know, hang out and hand out some candy and dress my dog up stupid. And yeah, so yeah. <laughs> Oh, you're in the dress up the dog phase. The next phase, and then it like it rekindles is someday you'll have kids, and then Halloween gets super fun again because you see them just run around and like fall over and cry yeah. and stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, just stick with the dog for now. Don't rush that other part I just said. <laughs> um, so then, what is what is the most ridiculous thing you've ever dressed up as? Whether that's child phase or or college phase, what is it? 
when I was a kid, I, I dressed up as a hockey goalie, like complete okay. with like rollerblades and everything. And eventually it got too hot. And I realized it was super inefficient because while all my friends were just running from door, like crossing the side lawn and go into the next door, <laughs> I would have to go all the way out, whatever, like walkway, all the way down their driveway to the street, cross the street, up the next. It was horrible. It was right. bad. So right. I decided I was going to be an X Games rollerblader instead. So the only part of the costume I kept on was like the rollerblades. And I remember crossing a side lawn <laughs> to catch up with my buddies and yelling, X Games rules! And as I did that, uh, I slipped out and broke my arm. <laughs> <laughs> so basically you were just kid in rollerblades was the costume yeah, by the end. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's funny though, man, because I used to play a lot of roller hockey and that was always the deal. Like I played goal, I loved goal. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm going to do goal on skates. And then like, one fake period on the street and I'm like, I'm going to take off the skates. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, all the, all the neighborhood kids got together and donated candy. Cause I had oh. to go to the hospital. Well, oh, no, that's it, so nice. it sounds nice, <laughs> but actually the little shitheads, they, uh, when their mom asked them to donate the candy, they gave me like all like the Tootsie Rolls and the raisin boxes and just shit they didn't want. <laughs> you got the raisin nets and the Necco wafers, man. Yeah, well, thanks, that's Tyler. how you do when you're a kid. I, dude, I wish I had, I, <laughs> I wish I had a story that good. I don't, I'm actually pretty lame. Would you believe, um, I have not put on a Halloween costume since high school. And it's mostly because I have no friends, and the few I do have don't have Halloween parties. If they do, they don't invite me. Uh, but the last time I got Jeez, dressed up was my man. senior year of high school. <laughs> I know, man. It's brutal. It's brutal. Enjoy your youth. Um, this was this was at a Catholic high school, mind you, and only the seniors were allowed to come in in costume. So I just basically wore jeans and a T-shirt, similar to your X Games outfit. Uh-huh. Um, but I did my face up with one of those zombie kits, and I got to say – I was pretty good at those. You know, the ones with the blood and the scar putty yeah, and, yeah. All, and all that shit. They're like, you know, $50 at the at the Halloween store. Um, I could do them really, really realistically, right? I was really good at them. And, yeah. and the people in school were freaked out. But then what happened is I fell asleep with my head down on a desk during class, which was common for me. I, wow. I just I that sounds, that That's shocking. Yeah, I know. Just you know, I was like, "This is an elective. I will sleep through it." Uh-huh. But when I when I got up, my face was plastered to the desk, and all that shit just like peeled off my oh, face no. and was stuck all over my open textbooks and completely ruined them. Oh. So that's that's the last time I did Halloween. So textbook covers can't protect you from everything, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Brown paper bag. Oh yeah. You know, it's like kind of unsurprising to me that you're good with like zombie makeup. Uh, I, I feel yeah. like you're kind of a creative dude and like, you know, kind of crafty and shit, you know? I, a little I, bit, a little bit. My my wife is more artistic than I am, but I always love that stuff. Um, and, and that was the last time in high school when I when I did the, the zombie makeup deal. But every Halloween, I'm like dying to, to put it on my kids and they won't let me. Like my daughter will be like, oh, I want to be a cheerleader. And I'm like, perfect. Can you be a zombie, zombie cheerleader? cheerleader? She's like, yeah. she's like, no, no, daddy, no. She refuses. Um, anyway, to to get us in the Halloween <laughs> spirit, here's what I did. Right, since we're talking costumes, I did a thing. Yeah, I called up a bunch of past guests to find out the most embarrassing or crazy or ridiculous costume they ever wore, ah. and we'll be peppering them throughout the show. And we'll start with my bud Brian Wise, stream retire extraordinaire of fly fishing the Ozarks fame. <laughs> 
Hey, this is Brian Wise with Flyfish in the Ozarks, and the weirdest thing I dressed up for Halloween was a girl when I was like 12, went to an old folks home, and all the people there thought I was the mom. This is going to sound weird, right? But I can picture, I can picture Brian in drag. Like, I actually kind of think it works. Like, he's got, like, nice high cheekbones. You know what I'm saying? Like, he could really pull it off. That does sound weird. Uh, I, I have no idea what Brian looks like other than, oh, come like, on. Other than nice cheekbones, I guess. But uh, I will take your word for it. You don't watch Brian Wise's streamer videos, dude? They're, like, world famous, set to dubstep. Where you been, man? Sorry, Brian. all right we're gonna have to get you up to speed on that uh all right so what else are we diving into today uh the land of zombie salmon that's fitting for halloween that plays well although i think the uh land of zombie great lake salmon will soon be turning into the land of great lake steelhead Uh, and if you play that game i highly recommend the fate steel line of rods from our sponsors 13 fishing i've used mine for shad Uh, because a long, light rod comes in handy there. But I'm really hoping to get them on some steel this winter. And by the way, now that you're in the bent fold here, Hayden, I think you're entitled to some 13 wares. What takes your fancy? Because I'm sure I can make it happen. Ooh, that's exciting. Um, I have a confession to make. uh, Uh Uh-oh. And this is going to be truly jarring to more than a couple of our listeners, I guess, but... Would you believe that I do not currently own a single piece of conventional gear? Ah, uh, that's a big strike against you. That's a big, but I know you conventionally fished. So are you just saying you didn't bother to bring any of the Zebcos out to Montana? Like you just have uh, yeah. none on hand? Yeah, that, that's pretty much what happened. Basically, I came out here last year after like, you know, in like November, I came out here in a Subaru Impreza. So I had. <laughs> Just everything I owned in this little, like, hatchback. Yeah, there isn't, like, a ton of bass fishing out here. Yeah. And walleye are, like, kind of beyond me, although I've been... I I get it. I get it. Yeah. I I, I just haven't had a chance to... I haven't had any money to get get a bunch of fishing gear yet. I had to buy, like, lame things like pots and pans and a a bed frame. (laughs) You don't have an Ikea out there either, do you? No, no. In, in fact, mm-hmm. I tried that's ordering problem. Tried ordering stuff from <laughs> Ikea. It was like, yeah, we'll get it to in four months. I was like, well, that's right. not super helpful. But uh, right, right. you know what I really could use, though? What's uh, that? I would love some hard water gear. I'm planning to hit the ice super oh, yeah. hard this winter because, yep. you know, I mean, everything tastes better when you pull it through the ice, man. You know, Agreed. Everything's A fish out firmer. of cold water always tastes better, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So... If I were to get something from 13 Fishing Man, I would love some hard water gear. Sounds good. Sounds good. Ice fishing gear will get you some black Bettys. Um, excellent choice there. I will work on that. But until then, uh, let's go shopping elsewhere, okay? Because we've got a sale bin today that you listeners have been begging for. And it's a little mysterious. It's a little spooky. And you just don't know if it's safe to consume or if it's riddled with push pins and razor blades. Well, why did you put the head in the paper if you don't know what I'm getting at? Well, you, you didn't have to be so hurtful with me, so angry. Today, we've got what I've at least decided is the perfect Halloween sale bin item because it's very trick-or-treat, right? Could be good, could be shit. Don't know. But thanks to several listeners that sent this one along, um, there are too many of you to name, but at least 10 of you fired this one off. Uh, And I thank you for it. But very quickly, before I dive into this particular item, 
Um, since this is Hayden's first sale bin, I always like to know like where where everyone stands on the online buying of uh, other people's wares. Are you an online classified shopper? Do you look for things on Facebook and Craigslist and such? Shit, yeah. Your boy's been known to be a little bit thrifty like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, what do you buy? What do you like? What do you use oh, it for, dude? All sorts of gear, man. Um, yeah, I've bought a bunch of guitars from a website called reverb but, but like i also buy a lot of my waterfowl decoys from like pissed off ex-wives and girlfriends <laughs> you know full body decoys are expensive man and the best sale i've ever found is when you know you got like a a spurn lover swinging the auction gavel you know what i mean <laughs> I, I do know dude i do know and like those posts are so rare and you got to be quick on it but you see them every once in a while like on craigslist it's like Every piece of fish tackle and fish poles in my condo needs to be gone tomorrow. Call Holly. And you know it's like, oh, man, I need to get there tomorrow before he gets back from work. You know I'm about to have a Uh, way better day than this guy's about to have. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, man. So anyway, so here's what we have. I'm glad glad you're an online classified person. That Mm -hmm. makes this more fun. So, So here's what we have, okay? The title of this post. And now, mind you, I'm betting that even more people have seen this post than sent it. It's it's out there in all kinds of different Facebook forums. The title is Secret Jigs I Use at Missouri Trout Parks. And the photo <laughs> is just a shot of a railing surrounding a low head dam. And you see a lone uh, angler waiting just above the dam. And I'm just surmising here, really. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's, it was probably taken at a Missouri Trout Park. Would be my guess. I would say that's probably a fair <laughs> assumption. <laughs> Trout parks, I feel, are a, a very interesting cultural phenomenon. And totally. And I think that what's interesting about them is there are some folks that are like very dedicated to visiting. Yeah, that's just what they do. Yeah. Yep. And and honestly, like, you know, I'm, I'm sure it breeds a, a, a certain level of skill just because of, like, the ability to rapidly A-B test a bunch of different stuff over fish that, you know, you know are seeing it. Well, dude, and there's there's some truth to that. It's like on one hand, you step back and you're like, Trout Park, that's lame. I would never do that. But if you're into that, these places tend to have their ringers like, ah. That's old Bill over there. He gets them every time. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like it's like a like a, mm-hmm. like a like a jockeying for position at some of these trout parks. I would I would I would bet. Yeah, my my experience with trout parks overall is very limited. But I will tell you a quick story about one. And this is actually this is a story I told at my grandfather's funeral. Uh, <laughs> the uh, I'm coming Great. in with him today, man. I'm ready. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So when I was a kid, uh, one of my first trout fishing excursions was at one of these trout parks. And mm-hmm. this one in particular was like a kind of catch and keep pay to play, right? Right, right. Um, I'm about four years old or something, and I managed to catch a fish. And, you know, my dad puts them in the 10-gallon bucket and kind of mm-hmm. – I'm now no longer interested in fishing. I'm interested in watching this one particular fish kind of swim around. So a couple hours go by, and we're leaving the trout park. And we passed the, uh, you know, the the shed with the teenager and the fillet knife. And uh, the guy kind of looks at me as I'm leaving and he goes, hey, uh, do you want your fish cleaned? And me being four, I'm like, 
Yeah, I, I, I would like a, a shiny, clean fish. Oh, no. Oh, poor little you. Dude reaches oh, into the shit. bucket, slaps it on the cutting board, and I'm thinking, that's a weird way to clean a fish. I feel like <laughs> I feel like it's probably not super good for it. And he just eviscerates this fish in front of me, and I cried all the way home. And you've never been back to a trout park since. Oh, man, that's no, so sad, but so funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Philip! <laughs> Anyway, anyway, story time over. So these Sorry. secret <laughs> jigs, right? These these secret jigs, they'll cost you $10, and for $10, you get 10 So a buck a jig, which isn't terrible, right? That's a lot cheaper than dry flies. A lot cheaper than dry flies. $3.50 most places nowadays, yeah. which is horrifying. For like one blue wing olive costs you three fifty, right? Not even tied good. Yeah, exactly. But anyhow, man, uh, I would say that these... $1 jigs are not only a good price, but a steal for what they are. And what they are <laughs> Tell is us. lightning in a bottle, man. <laughs> uh, I'm going to read the listeners the yeah. description of the jigs in question. So 10 for 10, my secret jig that I catch 30 to 50 trout a day. No picture to keep it secret. I guarantee you will catch your limit daily. I have used this jig for 48 years. We'll also throw in a detailed diagram of how to use it. Phone number hidden. For <laughs> 48 years is kind of odd. Why not just say 50 or 45? Like, that's very specific. Hey, you want to know that he's an honest dude and I, these jigs will so. really I catch 30. So. so he can't be exaggerating. Right. But so I got to say, right. In a way, it's kind of genius marketing. It's like the grown-up version of the surprise eggs all the little kids are are, are into, right? And much right. cheaper, I might add, because I know from experience. It's like, you know, you give me 10 bucks, and trust me, this is going to be good. Like, you're yeah. going like, to like this. There are a lot of secret recipes mm-hmm. that people go to great lengths to keep that way. Dude, 100%. But this is like a, 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 a wink and a nod you've put out on the entire internet. I'm surprised so, they didn't put it on the dark web. so he's trying to keep it secret and then he assumes the buyer will keep it secret but you know at some point some asshole is gonna spill the beans and that asshole is me because i have purchased these oh you didn't i did i'm holding the package here and i have not opened it and it's been killing me for over a week I have been saving this for this moment on this sale bin right here. This is going to be the so first happy. ever unboxing <laughs> on this podcast. I got to say, I, like, I just did this through Facebook, and, and not to be rude, but like, you're not giving your credit card to like a, a business. You're dealing right. with some rando dude that fishes Missouri trout parks. So oh I'm still gosh. convinced somehow this will result in like my bank account being drained or my identity stolen. I got to introduce you to PayPal, man. Well, yeah, I use PayPal, okay, smart guy, but still, I'm like from Jersey. I don't trust nobody. You know what I mean? Oh, apparently um, you do. Yeah, well, yeah, but it's, but it's it's all worth it to amuse the Ben audience. I'm doing this because I want you all to catch more fish. God damn it! Like I want you to have all the advantages. On the other hand, I want you to know if you're getting scammed. I believe it's worth ten bucks of my hard-earned money to let you know this. I'm not even going to expense this, dude. I'm not even going to make meat eater pay. For what very well could be a mistake. This is this is a lot of pressure on you too, because this could be a cloud of anthrax. 
Like you're watching me on the computer right now. Like <laughs> and, I can open and, this and now and that you've said something. that, I'm very happy I'm watching you on the computer. <laughs> you're safe out there in Montana. Yeah, it uh, it could be a, a mail bomb, although it's very light. It would be the most sophisticated mail bomb ever. But I'm actually listen. This is my scissors. <laughs> I have sat on this for a week, and this is it. Phil, you need to put a drum roll over this. I'm so happy. I am that. cutting the envelope right now, and together. We are going to see about these secret jigs. Oh, look, dude, they're all wrapped up in weird paper. These are going to be good. Uh, oh, my God. Is it a scam? Oh, no, that's the diagram. Oh, my God, dude. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. I'm going to see. I'm going to hold this so you can see it. It's an it is literally bag. a tiny bag. Can you even see that? Oh, my God. Of like, Those are Pertagons. It's it's. it's Pertagons in all white. It is literally just a jig style hook, gold with an itty bitty head that looks like a nymph head, painted white, and then he is just wrapped white thread behind it and tapered it. That is it. That is all that oh, it is. I was expecting like bucktail or just i was expecting it anything. to be like some pre 48 years dude this should have been some precursor to the trout magnet or something these these I mean, all it looks like is a euro nymph with an upturned eye it's just a white thread what, what is what tiny is the, white what is the diagram let's say? let's look at the details let's look Does at the say description put a worm on it <laughs> the detail diagram it's going to tell you to tip it with something and i read the damn guy's advice for catching trout at Bennett Springs State Park. If you fish <laughs> Bennett Springs State Park, this is your lucky day. Um, man, how to set up fly rod or spinning rod for this jig. Number one, always use two-pound test line or less. What's less than two-pound test line? Um, 8X tippet? I don't even know. I don't know. Does he, have, does he have some secret line that he also sells with these secret jigs? No, man. Always try and fish about six inches from bottom. Always make sure there isn't any moss on the jig. Parentheses, very important. Use an adjustable cork. When using a spinning rod, make sure you keep the line tight. Tie jig on leader between six and eight inches above that and put number six split shot. Adjust cork accordingly. Best According place to, to fish the Dude, best place to fish this jig at Bennett Spring. Number one, on the dam. Number two, all four corners of the dam, upper and lower. I'm seeing a dam theme here. Not many, right? not many people think to fish the dam. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. This is number three, all the handicapped spots. <laughs> dude, this, oh, this guy isn't selling jigs. He's selling waypoints. <laughs> number four, feeder stream outlet. Number five, feeder stream from hatchery outlet to stream. This is ridiculous. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fit. Look, I was going to say, I have no doubt these will catch fish. Like these are like stock trout at a trout park. Why not? It just looks like a little white maggot or something. This is, well, I mean, yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, like it's like, you know, a Walt's worm looks like nothing too. I think it's funny that like it's so fish park, not fish parks in general, but fish park singular specific. And I, I do like 
that if you took anybody to survey this body of water and you were like, where do you think you'd catch some fish? They would point to all of this dude's secret spots immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not mad at dude. They're definitely heavier. I think these are lead. Like these aren't like a tungsten head or a traditional nymph sure head. They're lead. I actually think these are itty bitty lead jig heads. But it's just so funny to me. I mean, there's not even a piece of flash in them. Not, it is literally just white thread. That's all it is. Do you think, what do you think the likelihood is that we have a listener that is in like reasonable proximity of this fish if, park? If you are, hit me up. It also bothers me because now that I think about it, this man has my address. So he could now send me anthrax or uh, a letter <laughs> bomb for divulging the greatest secret in all of fishing on this podcast. I don't get the feeling that this dude is super tech savvy, man. I think you're going to be all right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there you go. You know, some of you who, who sent that, I hinted, I was like, look, I can't do this without knowing you can't lay this on people without being able to say, this is what it is. So that is it. That is the secret to stock trout everywhere. A tiny lead jig head painted white with some white thread wrapped behind it. That was really fun, man. That, that was, was like, fun. that might be my all time favorite uh sail bin right there naturally i'm gonna i'm I'm gonna put the pictures of these things on instagram so you can all see it on instagram and 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 copy and tie these um if uh if you if you want any more secrets revealed you find something on your favorite classified online forum do please keep sending those links to me at bent at the if you would if you would love us to uh trash the things you find here on the sail bin Okay, that may have been my favorite thing that's ever happened on Ben. And honestly, it's one of mine too. <laughs> and honestly, I'd feel bad that we burned dude spots if they weren't so obvious. Like fish the dam, fish the outflow of the creek. Like, I'm surprised that he wasn't like fishing the big wet thing at the end of the dock, you know? <laughs> I've been thinking about it and you know, I have a theory. I'll tell you my theory. I don't think that the dude fishes at Bennett Springs anymore. Because if he did, why would you do this? Why would you be so willing to give up all the goods on a very particular location if you were then just creating competition for yourself? Have you considered maybe that you're the only dude who's bought his mystery jigs? I, and, I, and I know just, people are interested. I may be the only dummy that actually sent the man $10. Well, well, you're absolutely right. Maybe maybe it's like a one-off, and maybe he's like, if I can get like one dude on some fish and he really starts talking about how good these jigs are, I'll sell a bunch. Maybe he's looking like whoever, but he's looking for someone to mentor, someone to bring up to his status. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll hear from Pick him. Me. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, what matters in the end is, um, you know, that that worked out great. I did not explode. Um, and uh, you all learned how to crush trout at Missouri Trout Parks, Bennett Springs in particular. And speaking of things working out great, let's learn about a costume that worked out great for my buddy, Marty Yee of Cross Current Guide Service on the Upper Delaware River. Hey, it's Marty from Cross Current Guide Service. Uh, the weirdest costume I ever wore was probably a full-body shark costume. But that's not the funny part. The funny part is, is it was actually the cleanest article of clothing I had. So I actually ended up wearing the shark costume for about four or five days after Halloween. Worked out great. Ah, uh, party Marty. If it- <laughs> <laughs> 
if this is the same Marty I'm thinking of, he was good friends with a late friend of mine, uh, Jackie, that I knew from Salmon River Outfitters. Ah. And then also uh, her ex-boyfriend, I guess, guides on the UD a little bit. Uh, my, okay. My pal right. Chris, I'm, yeah. I'm certainly, it's the same same Marty. I mean, Mar- Marty is Asian. He's the only Asian fishing guide I know on the Upper Delaware River. Does that ring a bell? Yep, that rings a bell. Um, there it is. That's our Marty. Yeah, I, yeah the dude gets a mean <laughs> croc tan. I follow him on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> he does. I just saw him a few months ago. I was like, damn, you're yeah. burned. Yeah. Uh, anyway, for Marty, shark is a great choice. And I'm, I'm going to throw a shot of... of uh, party marty in that shark costume passed out in front of a golf cart in my instagram story today because he made the mistake of sending that to me that is costume choice (laughs) that is probably party marty (laughs) that's that's party marty uh so i mean that that costume choice may have led to a lack of confidence once i post that but i know someone who exudes confidence in everything he does including uh choosing a costume so let's hit another one let's find out how our friend oliver nye gets down on all hallows Hey, this is Oliver Nye from Big Bass Streams, and my go-to Halloween costume is Tiger Woods, year in and year out, because it works better than a Defiant 210 swim bait. Now that, to me, if you know what Oliver looks like, that is so perfect. Oliver is the perfect Tiger Woods, and he, he's, he, I seem to get the impression, anytime he has to dress up, that's just the go-to, and I say, hell, dude, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know too much about golf. I shot some geese on a golf course one time when I was a kid and got the cops called. <laughs> but that's about like the limit of my golf course experience. I okay. do know, I do know about Tiger Woods though, and him I and would I hope so. Uh huh. And him and I have something <laughs> in common: a champion's mindset. And Joe, Ooh. you better watch out because I'm bringing that champion mindset into this week's installment of Fish News. Fish News. That escalated quickly. Big news right out of the gate uh, here that I'm, I'm very excited to share, mostly so people stop asking me. That's just that's just real talk right there. Uh, mark your calendars because episode one of B-Side Fishing season two drops next Friday. That's November 5th on the Meat Eater YouTube channel, which means for a month straight starting next Friday, you'll get a fresh bent and a fresh B-Side on the same day. And so how how on earth will you get any work done on Fridays is what I want to know. Uh, it says here I'm supposed to tee you up to talk about some details <laughs> about B-Side. Nice. Way, yeah. Way to put the effort in on that one, Hayden. Uh, yeah. That's what I wanted you to do. But I'll just go ahead and say I don't want to give away all the juice before the show starts rolling out. But a couple of points of interest, uh, you guys may recall, season one was filmed entirely in my home state of New Jersey, which was just as much um, because of COVID as Jersey being a, a haven for unexpected fisheries. It kind of worked out. But when we were shooting that, we weren't getting on planes and stuff because of the COVIDs. But luckily, we're, we're back to traveling. So this season, we only got one local NJ show. Uh, and I have to add, co-starring Miles Nolte. Sad face emoji. The legend lives on. I love you, Miles. Um, yeah, I love you, Miles. Exactly. And then and then we're hitting up Virginia a couple times and Minnesota. And I got to say, if you appreciated the exploration of some of the lesser-known fish, like the tog and the pickerel from the first season, you're going to dig round two. We, we uh, chase some unexpected species. And uh, I really kind of challenged my, my own culinary medal. And while this season, I got to say, was, was a lot more work than the last one, I had a lot of fun and uh, got to hang out and fish with some really cool people. So I'm pumped on it. Yeah, man. 
Uh, I really like this series. It reminds me a lot of your Hookshot series, but mm. yeah, but like more polished. You know, well, what I mean? that's people are always like, how how would you describe B side? I'm like, it's Hookshots, man. Only it looks better and is slightly more grown up. <laughs> Otherwise, it's kind of the same thing. Shows more grown up. Uh, maybe not the host, but no, no, no. <laughs> I actually just binged the first season of B side about a month ago. Um, mm. And I was horrified to find out that I had been missing out on some quality Joe Cermelli content <laughs> for uh, for so long. Um, but yeah, I mean, my buddy Maggie pretty much did. Did she do all the posts on this? Yes. Maggie is awesome. Okay. Yes. She did all the posts, all the graphics. And that that's one of those things you talk about the difference between uh, the old show and the new show. It's like wow, I have people to make me cool graphics. I never thought that would happen. I love it. I love everything that Maggie Smith does. It's killer. And it dawns on me that when the first season of B-Side launched, you didn't even work here yet, did you? You weren't even no. part of the Meat Eater crew. Right well, no, that's how, that, that's how I missed it. Right. <laughs> Maybe down the road, Hayden, you'll be, you'll be in one. Anyway, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll move on to news here. As a reminder, this is a competition. Uh, Hayden and I do not know which news story the other guy grabbed, creating an element of mystery and the unexpected. We also enjoy a good plot twist, which <laughs> which reminds me of our dear friend River Horse and his most zany Halloween costume. That goes a little something like this. Hey now, this is River Horse from the deep south in Texas. My favorite Halloween costume I ever dressed up as was... Wait a minute. Oh my gosh. Nice try. You all feel free to run around in sparkle glow Star Wars Jedi outfits and chase each other with fluorescent lightsabers. My saber is a sage eight-weight fly rod because I'll be out in the canoe all night sticking redfish under the full moon, baby. Oh, sweetheart. The great pumpkin has fins. Yeah, that dude is <laughs> at once very comforting and sort of unsettling a Un little bit. Unset unsettling why? What's unsettling oh, about I think, River Horse? I think part of it is like the creepy music that Phil kind of puts in there. <laughs> That's Phil, though. That's not River Horse, man. He'd have like Phil some, some, creepy. some some Skinnerd or, or some, some Joe Walsh jams in there if it were up to him. That dude sounds like 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 codeine or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I lo I love River Horse. I think he should be part of that Calm app. Make a lot of money. I'd rather listen to him at night than like Morgan Freeman or whoever's on there. Uh, he does raise a good point though. He he threw us a little curveball there. But we already said that Halloween gets a lot more fun again when you have little kids. At the same time, if you don't and don't care about giving out candy, man, Halloween night is a great night to like go surf fishing. Because the beach is practically empty because everybody's involved. Yeah, man. You know, whitetail hunting is also a little bit like that. Like there's like yeah. kind of like that that magic that happens right around Halloween. Uh, steelhead fishing too, you know, as long yeah. as we're on sort of legendary uh, alternate Halloween activities, I guess. Yeah. Halloween and Thanksgiving are both great uh, outdoors days and I hardly get to do anything outdoorsy on either of them anymore. But anyway. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, fish news. This is, uh, as Joe said, a competition. And this week, we're offering up, Phil, our very best as normal, or 
Joe's very best, <laughs> my best, somewhat best. My yeah. sort of mediocre. <laughs> Let's. We're, we're going to see if I can break the slide this week. Ah. And uh, Joe, I believe you're up first, man. Yes, I am up first this week, and yeah, let's see if you break the slide is right. Uh, here's a fun one from where? The stars at night are big and bright. Big in the heart of Texas. <laughs> this comes from ksatnews.com, and it's the story of a potential record that's very unexpected, though satisfying to me because there's not an ounce of pretentiousness in it. Matter of fact, uh, it was kind of like a goofy, jokey thing that happened but I love the outcome. So here's what went down. On October 11th, Ben Christensen was floating down the Pedernales River in his little inflatable fly craft. Now, when I say this river is deep in the heart of Texas, I mean it is deep in the heart of Texas. It's pretty much smack dab in the center, um, and it's one of the many rivers that flows through Texas Hill Country, which I've always wanted to fish. I don't know if you're, if you're hip to the Texas Hill Country scene, but it's very cool. It seems super cool. Maybe we'll have to go check it out sometime. Yeah, maybe that'll be our B side. You and me Ooh, in Texas Hill Country. That seems kind of like an A side. Yeah, well, I don't know. We'll find we'll find some dumb shit to do and turn it right <laughs> around. <laughs> we'll go there to chase whatever is not the thing you chase there. It's yeah. kind of what, what I'm about sometimes. Uh, anyway, yeah. So the, so the the Pedernales is one of those. It's like aqua blue. The water is just aqua. Um, it's like filled with limestone ledges. It's it's just pretty and and super juicy. Um, and, and Texas Hill Country has quite the fly fishing culture there, right? And, and Ben is a big-time fly guy. In fact, the article says he's currently working on a book titled Fly Fishing San Antonio and the Texas Hill Country, which I would like to check out at some point. Yeah, me too. But before we even get into this story more, because I know what this story is now that you've said the name and provided the context, <laughs> Okay, I just want to point out another uh, Ben, our listener, Ben Roussel, uh, IG handle Mountains to Marsh sent this story to me because you apparently never read the news that he sends you. <laughs> uh, I'm going to dispute that because Ben very well may have sent this, but like I don't get all my news stories from listeners. Like sometimes if, if if one of you guys hits hits something that I haven't seen yet, then I'm like, oh, and I credit you for that. But strong chance I already knew about this, and Ben sent it, and then, like, if you just send me a news story with nothing else, yes, okay, I don't always respond to them, but I respond to 99.9% of my DMs. People will back me up. And that that, that is very true, and I think (laughs) in order to foster that listener connection, I think everybody listening to the Ben podcast should direct message Joe... And he will get back to each and every one of you with a very long and thoughtful response. Ask him anything. <laughs> Ask him anything. Doesn't have to be I, I welcome that. But if you're going to DM me, like, <laughs> why don't you send me an awkward photo or a bar nomination or a voice memo? If all of those people that just listen to Hayden say that responded with a voice memo, a lot more you'd get on you'd get on this show more for nibbles and please, sips. I'm just saying. Please do it. Please anyway, do it. <laughs> so speaking of Instagram. Ben, I looked him up on Instagram, and as predicted, right, his feed is loaded up with photos um, you'd expect from that region. Smaller bass, some carp, a few uh, exotics that live there, and so on. And I think it's it's fair that, generally speaking, Texas Hill Country is sort of synonymous with, with what I'd call light tackle fly fishing, right? It's very clear water. You have to be stealthy. And I've, I've talked to some guys down there who've said to me, like, yeah, man, you, you can't come here with a seven-way and rip a big streamer around and expect to catch anything. Like, you'll usually just scare shit because the water is so clear, right? Yeah. So so that explains why on October 11th, Ben was wielding a four-weight fly rod, which in case you don't understand how fly rod weights work, 
Trust me, that's light, right? I mean, that's lighter than your average trout rod. That's small, you know, stream trout stuff. That's about what I use for small stream, yeah. Yeah, like, like you know, not quite stuff you can jump over, but, you know, not not big rivers, small weight Dry stuff. fly. Anyway, dry fly. It's a dry fly rod, exactly. Yeah. And you hope that the fish aren't bigger than, like, 16 inches. Um, yet, when Ben spied a giant-ass blue cat swimming around in that clear water, did that four-weight stop him from casting a damselfly at it? Hell no, it didn't. <laughs> Hell no. Did the cat eat the damsel? Hell yes. Hell yes, Hell yeah. it did. And <laughs> off to the races, Ben went for, according to him, 40 minutes, right? Now, it's amazing that he landed this fish because it weighed 31.55 pounds. And if you factor in a light four-weight rod, right, and then he was only using 12-pound tippet, whereas, you know, like serious blue cat guys chasing these fish elsewhere, especially fish of this caliber, I mean, they're using 50 to 80-pound leader, right? Yeah. And then you've got a, a, a damselfly. I wouldn't exactly call it like a beefy saltwater deceiver. It's a fairly dainty trout pattern. It's you know, no, it's so, like a, that's like a twelve, right? Exactly. It's a it's a small fly. So for that little fly to hang on, or at least like not bend out during a forty minute tussle with a fish that has a pretty hard mouth and fights like hell, is impressive. Um, but it obviously tells me, you know, Ben is pretty adept at fighting fish. Like, dude yeah. knows what he's doing. Uh, because there, there's no margin of error there, especially when you consider in a shallow, rocky river. That cat can only go out, right? It's kind of yeah. like how tuna are more fun in less than 100 feet of water because they can only sound so far. They have to go out, and they go screaming off. Uh, yeah. Big cats do the same thing. If they have depth, they just try and stay deep, right? So you're, you're bringing them up almost vertical. And I mean, that makes pressure super super difficult to apply there man like, yes you, know, you, you you can't just rip that rod sideways and reef on them you gotta kind of nope. nope and i'm sure there were boulders and ledges and all kinds of obstacles in in, uh, yeah. in ben's way so i also love this right the fly was tied by ben's son just the night before it was an olive variant damsel his son named chips and salsa because Ooh. as he puts it every fish wants to eat it he's got a fly named chips and salsa i love that that is a great it's a great, great name. Fly name. Very catchy. That needs to be in, in fly bins everywhere. It will Real sell. Real good. Uh, so Ben is a strict catch and release angler, but he ended up keeping this cat because he was worried the long fight exhausted it uh, and it would it would die anyway. But having that official weight could potentially land him in the record books because according to the IGFA, the current blue cat record uh, on 12-pound tippet only weighs 26.4 pounds. So that's a fairly significant difference there. A big difference. Um, yeah, and furthermore, Texas Parks and Wildlife says the catch is also pending the water body record for the Pedernales. Right? And that and that's got to be that's got to be all tackle. Yeah, right? I mean, I don't know if that's if they if I, I know what you're saying. I don't know that much about how water body records work, but I don't believe in most cases um, that they're broken down by you know tippet class or anything. I think that just means he caught the biggest blue cat uh, known to have ever come out of the Pedernales, which is pretty yeah. damn cool. Um, and, and here's why I love this whole thing, right? Because many of us have been in Ben's position where some big ass fish pops up unexpectedly and you're totally not prepared for it. And you're like, <laughs> do I cast at that? Oh, what the hell? Yes, I do. And if the fish eats, right, it either leads to glory or instant failure. But for that like split second of decision-making, you, you just don't even consider your line strength or your gear ratio and, and hook size and you just go for it. Um, and the last time this happened to me was a couple years ago. I was smallmouth fishing on a, a smaller stream around here. I was waiting using pretty light outfit and six pound test. And, and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm flicking this small brown tube around. And every time I fish this river, I would see carp almost every time. 
Um, and, and just for shits, every time I'd see them, I'd drop whatever I was throwing, a grub or a tube or whatever in front of them. And never, not once ever, did one eat it. And these are like smaller, like five to eight pound fish. Never yeah. ate that, right? Well, this time, like here comes old 20 pound rubber lips and I just <laughs> sent it and the fish sucked it up like it was his last meal and I just got dumped. And I tried chasing this fish down. Um, and in the process, because I was trying to move along the bank really quickly, my line got wrapped in a branch, but closer to the rod tip, like closer to me. Yeah. And that's where it snapped. So I lost the uh... fish and pretty much all my line. And then I just had to go home <sighs> and it sucked. Utter but defeat. That's the chance the chance you take, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I've had a similar experience as like crappie fishing with a little two weight. Mm-hmm. And there were a bunch of these big carp in this pond where I was fishing. And, you know, I, I dropped that little like bead jig that I was fishing and pretty much immediately got all spooled out. And then I was going to uh, say, there's only 10 feet of line on a two weight reel anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's like a pocket watch <laughs> size reel. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and the, but, uh, but before the line could run out, the, uh, the carp broke the rod in half when it got caught around my reel. Oh man, that's a bummer. I actually have a, a really good future nibbles and sips about a carp breaking a rod. Anyway, one final thought on this. Um, in my opinion, catfish are are kind of overlooked as a fly target, right? It's I know it's not like a front runner in, in the fly world, but some of the most fun I've ever had with a fly rod was throwing a mulberry pattern at blitzing channel cats on the Hudson River. Huh. Um, and I've also stumbled into them rising for, for white flies too. And I have some buddies that claim they can get me a, a flathead on a streamer, I just haven't gotten there yet because that's one of those bites where they call you and they're like, bro, you need to get down to the Schuylkill in Philly now. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right it's like, you got, like, like, yeah. like the, the, the window is there, they're doing the things and the water is right and you could make it happen if you get here now and I just haven't yet. But I think you should, I think people should chase more catfish on fly rods, just saying. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, if there's one thing you know about me, man, it's that I really like, uh, Chunking for catfish. Yep, yep. And I guess if there's another thing you know about me, it's that I really like catching fish on fly gear. Yep. And you would think that would be a pretty obvious intersection of those two interests. And I've heard of people catching them, particularly on mulberries. Um, it's it's situational. That's the problem. Like I, yeah. I think like the catfish on fly, especially rising to something, mm-hmm. you can't go out and find that. Like It finds you. In, in right. all those scenarios, it's like, I'm there. I was there fishing for carp with the mulberries, and until the tide changed, it was nothing but channel cats up. So I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. And then you're you're smallmouth fishing with white flies, and then there's channel, you know. But yeah, it, it's a really hard thing to find. And channel yeah, cats are funky right now, right? But yeah, because they'll eat a bait off the bottom. And I don't know how many times I've inadvertently caught them on smallmouth lures. It's almost like at some point in the year, and I, I think it happens a lot in the fall. They'll just flip this switch for a little while, where where these like lazy you know, vacuum cleaners just go full on mid column predatory mode. And they're like chasing bait fish around and stuff like that. I've just never been in that scenario with a fly rod in my hand. So Yeah. I've caught channel cats on like poppers fishing at night, but Uh that's about as far as like, I guess you'd call unconventional catfishing methods goes for me. Yeah. Yep. 
O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today because trust me there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth there's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the sunshine state or any other destination on your fishing bucket list book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Speaking of roping in giant fish, I got a heater. And if Phil doesn't like uh, ancient fish in places where they're not supposed to be, <laughs> like last week, uh, maybe Phil will be more interested in saving the whales. Oh, yeah, dude. Totally. I, can't you see Phil on one of those whale boats in the Antarctic ramming other ships? while he's Oh, yeah. No, yeah. F- Phil is one of the secret uh, meat eater Greenpeace folks that uh, you hear about. <laughs> <laughs> You've been outed. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, this story comes from ABC 10 in San Diego. San Diego angler Matt Capron was out with some buddies trying to uh, trying to catch some bluefin on the weekend. Uh, they were about 100 miles off the coast of Point Lima when they came across a humpback that got itself all f***ed up in a lobster pot. Mm. The whale had managed to get its tail wrapped around six or seven times just above the, like, the fluke. Mm-hmm, so obviously, mm-hmm. like that whale's not going super far. Right. Uh, so what did Capron do? He grabbed a fillet knife and just went full send, hmm. jumping into the water and hmm. cutting away the rope, uh, freeing the whale. 
Good. One okay. of his buddies, yeah, yeah, no, it was badass. One of the vi- <laughs> uh, one of his buddies took a video of the entire thing, and it's it, it's some like crazy crazy footage. My, but my favorite part of that whole video is you can hear a guy in the back comment, "George is still fishing." <laughs> <laughs> George, you are a man uh, after my own heart, and I appreciate your dedication despite the context in which you're fishing. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I really want to try not to get off, but that just like triggered a story in my yeah. brain very, very quickly. I'm not going to name names. I've never gotten my buddy to tell the story publicly. He knows who he is. He's listening. But I have a friend who was on a party boat way offshore, and a guy died of a heart attack. He just dropped dead. Oh. And it, it obviously, it shook the whole boat, right? Everybody was upset, uh, but there was, like, that one old, crotchety, grizzled dude who, like, he paid his 120 bucks to be out there tuna fishing. And, like, as they're zipping the dude up into a sleeping bag, he's like, well, guess I'll keep the chum slick going. <laughs> <laughs> it's always that one. Anyway, that's what it made me think of. That's what George yeah. – uh, that's George. That's what it makes I, me think of. Yeah, I, I've heard, I've heard a story uh, similar. It might be a it, it might have been on like the the Meat Eater podcast, but uh, somebody was telling a story about how one of their buddies or a buddy of a buddy died in a duck blind, and mm-hmm. they thought the best way to honor him would be to shoot a couple more ducks while they were still flying. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> if I ever die on a boat full of buddies, boys, keep fishing. Okay, yeah, like, there's nothing you're gonna do for me anyway. Yeah. Anyhow, the whale wasn't like a huge whale, mm-hmm. but being at the ass end of a whale like that is pretty dangerous. Like particularly yeah. when you're treading water, holding an eight inch fillet knife. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from my understanding of it, uh, with most whales, right? Like, uh, like orcas or something with like teeth aside, the most dangerous part about them is the fluke, right? Their mm-hmm. motor. Uh, you ever see that video of an orca punning a seal like a mile into the air? Yes, 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 yes. That seal went 80 feet up in the air. Yes, dude, I have seen that video. And just personally, I, I mean, I've I've been up close and personal with a lot of whales here striper fishing because they come in and eat the bunker. And there's tons of videos out there like kayakers almost getting crushed under flukes. You know, when those things are just steamrolling through bait, you don't know where they're going to come up. And if that hits you, you're dead, right? Oh. I mean, you're just, you're dead. Well, it's like a tree falling on you, man. Like, yes. <laughs> game over. The uh, Exactly. Yeah, well, gr- I mean, granted, the, the whale in the video uh, uh, of the seal was an orca, but it just kind of, you know, goes to speak to that sort of power that these things have. You know, dude was in a pretty dangerous spot. Um, but everything ends well. The guy uh, doesn't get whale punted into another dimension. <laughs> Willie goes free. Uh, the reporter asked him if he felt like the whale came back to say thank you. Uh, uh, guys, we have to anthropomorphize yeah. everything. Also, yep. you know, free Willy, but not days of thunder. I don't like that. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm of a certain age. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it came out the same year, I think, but that's yeah, irrelevant. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, the whale may have just been like disoriented after nearly drowning. Possibly. And it's, it's possibility. It's, yeah. It could have just swum in a circle. Um, any, anyhow, the, the story is kind of cut and dry. Uh, the whale got tangled, dude freed it, the end. But it kind of got me wondering a little bit. Uh, a lobster pot a hundred miles offshore seems like kind of a needle in the haystack, right? Uh, mm-hmm. so my question is, was this a fluke? Uh, 
Phil note that pun for judgment, please? <laughs> Moving on. Bonus <laughs> points. Turns out uh, this kind of thing happens all the damn time. Uh, and not only does it like suck for the whales, but it also sucks for the commercial dudes getting their gear busted up or yeah. dealing with seasonal closures of like good fishing ground because there are whales in the area. Like both mm-hmm. of those things suck. So yes. researching that a little bit, I found out that this is such a problem. Folks are actively searching for ways to get around it or help the whales get around it. Right, uh, right, right. My research led me to an article about some folks at the Woods Hole Institute developing ropeless lobster pots. And it just so happens my dear, dear friend uh, Molly Curran is an engineer at the Woods Hole Institute. And work with you, those guys. Ace in the Hole contacts Ooh. at Woods Hole. So I asked Ooh, her for guns. her their emails, and they never got back to me. So the article, <laughs> 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 never mind. It's a two of clubs in your pocket. <laughs> so uh, snubbed. Love so it. So I'm just going to talk about the article. Though. Good effort. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> the article just kind of details these lobster pots, which are basically uh, lobster pots with ropes that settle to the bottom with the trap. Then after an acoustic trigger or a timer goes off, the buoy floats up to the top. And mm-hmm. in that way, they can keep the ropes out of the water column and away from marine life. Interesting. Right. There was also this statistic in the article. Um, according to studies by the New England Aquarium and the Center for Coastal Studies, 83% of North Atlantic right whales and about 50% of humpbacks between Cape Cod and Nova Scotia get f***ed up in a net or a rope at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't present it exactly like that, but that's like the crux. No, of it. I would imagine it didn't. <laughs> I didn't I, I'm sure that wasn't a direct quote from the scientific journal, yeah. but I, I got what you're saying. <laughs> Anyhow... Um, you know, I've thought of uh, of whales getting wrapped up in nets and stuff before, but it never really occurred to me that they get tangled up in lobster pots like quite as much as they do. Mm-hmm. So that makes the story interesting to me for two reasons. Uh, one, freeing a whale is probably like a very, very cool experience, and the footage is pretty amazing. And two, it kind of brought to light a uh, a problem that I didn't really know existed and let me sort of also flex a connection to the to the Woods Hole Institute. <laughs> flex any, you didn't flex anything at the Woods Hole. You fail. They were like, nah, I don't have time for you. We're off researching things, dude. Phil, if I um, if I lose this episode of Fish News, blame Molly Curran. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, dude. It's it's a cool story though. And I actually I love what you did there with the lobster pots because thinking about that, um, you know, for one it surprises me that that many whales get tangled in those. At least I think right? it does, because I spend a lot of time mahi fishing on them. And for the, I mean, you're talking about one rope. There's there's basically yeah. one rope going down. Now, I guess um, if they tangled one and ran into a bunch of other ones, that's a different story. I think that the uh, ropeless lobster pots, though, super cool idea. And what yeah. I what I wonder about that. Is what is the cost? I mean, you you hear all the time about how commercial fishing doesn't pay the bills like it used to. So, like, can your average um, lobster, commercial lobster operation, afford to switch over all that gear to these, you know, acoustic tag linked lobster pots? Well, Joe, uh, I thought of the same thing. And so I, I looked into it, and it turns out that, like, that is kind of the big 
you know, uh, critique of this right, idea. Back, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, I think they said something like, with the current models like available, it would cost like a thousand bucks or something to equip each lobster pot. And also, wow. like, there was something about setting like the the connection involves this like nickel plated wire or something like that. That's like right. kind of like a tedious little process to do. But th- these lobster, these alternate. Uh, lobster pots that they're suggesting uh, would be much cheaper and thus making them commercially viable. Um, Hmm. The other thing, the other argument was that without, you know, these whales kind of messing up all the gear and, you know, dragging, for instance, like one gets stuck on one lobster pot, keeps swimming because it's a big whale. Sure. And, you know, hooks up a bunch of others. I mean, like that's like, $80 $80 a lobster pot, right? Like, that's like a significant amount of gear kind of Yeah, it's a big totaled. hit. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So uh, they kind of justified it that way. I'm not sure uh, when that might come to fruition, but if it does, I mean, I, I would see it being a really, really good thing. Well, yeah, and, and like like the good human in me agrees with you, but like the jerk in me is like, yeah, but if you if you do that and take away all the lobster pots with <laughs> ropes, where am I going to catch my mahis in the summer? Like I'm the weirdo that's like, yay, wind farms, more mahi structure, like put stuff out there to hold cool fish. You know what I mean? What, wasn't that on like a recent episode or not a recent episode? That was last a while ago. We talked about that. Yeah, No, not on B-side. We just talked about it. Oh, oh the mahi you mean? Yeah. yeah episode yeah. one was lobster pot mahi fishing which is the bomb but you yep. kind of need lobster pots so you know yeah maybe. <laughs> and the only other thing i would say uh, and again i'm not super well versed in this i might be talking out of school good on dude for freeing the whale but i've always been taught or heard and and read that like under no circumstances are you ever allowed to muck with a marine mammal living or dead like you right. just can't mess with one yeah, but I mean, you could make the argument that that like whale had already kind of been like molested a little bit by uh, by oh, wow. folks before, you know, True. dude jumped in, right? You True. know, he, the damage had yeah. already been done. Yeah, well, okay, and he did a good deed, so the whale is free and everybody is happy. We'll see how happy Phil is with these two stories today, and then when we're done with that, uh, we're gonna go have a drink uh, in 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 Zombie Land, Zombie Salmon Land. Hayden here is going to lead us solo in a That's My Bar, and it's a, it's a really, really good one. Hayden, you're the winner this week. <laughs> I would also like to extend a big thank you to Matt Capron. If we learned anything from Star Trek IV, that whale that he freed might one day be responsible for preventing an Earth-ending alien invasion. In that movie, the crew saves some whales from whalers by spooking them away with their giant futuristic spaceship, which isn't nearly as cool as it would have been if Leonard Nimoy jumped on deck and went ham on everybody with a fillet knife. Best goddamn bartender from Timbuktu to Portland, Maine. Or Portland, Oregon, for that matter. Salmon season in New York. You know, I love it. Got the hum of generators, the crackling of autumn leaves and beer cans beneath your feet, and the lighthearted pleasantries exchanged by anglers hooked up to the same fish. You f- This is all your fault! These are the sounds of October in Pulaski. After a long day of dodging egg sinkers, ugly sticks, and suspiciously large estaz eggs, or as we call it, salmon fishing, everyone needs a great place to unwind. Well, friends, look no further than the Altmar Hotel. 
Located right by the lower fly-only zone of the world-famous Snagging... Sorry, that's Salmon River. The Altmar Hotel is the perfect place to debate which color sponge those mud sharks are craving and pick up a dry rub recipe so good, your friends will swear that zombie fish wasn't mostly dead by the time you caught it. At Altmar Hotel, they combine friendly service and staff with the ever-present feeling that a full-on brawl might break out. And that's true. The bartender's going to call you honey, while on more than one occasion, I've been pretty sure fish weren't the only things about to find themselves bludgeoned in the parking lot. Anyhow, you sit down for a cold one at the bar and you might notice a sign that says, Lou, be nice or get out. Now, Lou's a friend of mine, and if you're lucky enough or unlucky enough to run into him, you should know that that sign is only half joking. He's grumpy as hell, and he's convinced you suck at fishing. If you're feeling brave, you can go ahead and buy him a shot of tequila, and he'll be glad to tell you exactly why that is, but be warned. He really isn't very nice, and he's normally kind of right. Uh, jokes aside, I do actually love this bar. It's got pool tables, cold beer, that flickering neon vibe, and some surprisingly good live music. You know, what's not to love? From bikers riding Harleys to anglers fishing boutique Hardys, the Altmar Hotel has something for everyone, including a karaoke night, meatloaf Mondays, fish Fridays, and a Thursday wing night so reasonably priced, you'd swear they were rotten if only they weren't so damn good. That said, pretty much everything on the menu is great, and I particularly like their chicken parm, which weighs more than the sore-covered ass-snag coho your buddy dragged in today and could feed his whole family in a way less disgusting way. So if you're on the hunt for that greasy brown meal your soul craves after a long day on the water, or just want to snag a few beers while you try to convince yourself all those fish definitely got line-wrapped and weren't just hooked in the south mouth to begin with, grab your buddies and head on over to the Altmar Hotel. Just remember. Ditch your studded waiting boots at the door, and don't you dare ask Lou if he validates parking. If you've got a dive with this much character or more shady characters, we want to hear about it. Send an email to bent at themeateater.com and rep your favorite fishing bar. Now, what do you think the odds are that Lou does costume parties? Do they have a Halloween party at the Altmar? Would, would, you know, what would Lou be? I would assume that they had a Halloween party at Altmar uh, Hotel. Um, I do not think that Lou does costume parties. <laughs> However, if he should so happen to do a, a, a Halloween costume party, I want to say he'd go as a pirate. Like he looks like an old pirate. He's kind of like long hair and like a beard and also, you know, like peg leg. <laughs> well, <laughs> he also seems like the guy at the bar who would be pirate, but just dress in his normal attire and just do the, the eye patch and the pirate hat. <laughs> It's like, there you go, I'm dressed, all right? Yeah, it's just another yeah. day of drinking. Sorry, it's <laughs> Halloween. Oh, man. Well, we may never know what Lou would be, uh, but I did ask our resident Lou, our Lou of the striper scene, that being Bob the Garbage Man, Bertana Nananuski, and I got to tell you, while I expected no reply about Halloween costumes from him, I got this. This is Bob the Garbage Man, Bratana Nananuski. And one time, I dressed up as an Atlantic City police officer. Not long after, I dressed up as an inmate at the Bayside State Prison for a little while. <laughs> but neither one of those costumes had anything to do with Halloween, per se. Thank you, Bob. Uh, that is at once <laughs> deeply uh, concerning and totally unsurprising. <laughs> Dude, I... I've said before, I don't really know. I don't have any idea what goes on in Bob's personal life. Like, usually we're just talking fish stuff. Um, 
Yeah, that was, yeah, I don't want to know. I don't want to know anything about either of those costumes. What I do know for a fact is that he would hate this week's end of the line segment because it deals with a striper bait that is not bunker. And I chose it to close out on, on, on our theme this week. So I was trying to come up with a Halloween-related bait or lore, and when I realized that this one allowed me to reference one of my favorite Kevin Bacon films, I knew I had arrived. Fishy, 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 fishy! Well, that's not loud enough, Bert. Sandworms have wiggled their way into pop culture via the sci-fi horror genre three times. You had the Shy Halud, a massive sandworm that played a big role in 1984's Dune, which you probably never saw because it's three hours long, and in my opinion, it's, it's just boring as shit. The best thing to come out of it was the band Shy Halud, which took its name from that monster Dune worm and is a pretty damn good hardcore metal band. After Dune, we didn't see a killer sandworm on the big screen again until 1988 in Tim Burton's Beetlejuice. You might recall that if the ghosts stepped out of the door of their former home, they'd find themselves whisked away to Saturn, where that huge black and white striped sandworm with two heads and a shark fin would gobble them up. Whoa. Sandworms. You hate them, right? <laughs> I hate them myself! But it wasn't until 1990 when director Ron Underwood truly cemented the fear of burrowing worms with nasty mouth parts into the minds of the masses with tremors and its famous graboids. I lie awake at night, often, wondering how Tremors was beaten out for Best Picture by Driving Miss Daisy in the Oscars that year. Because, I mean, Jessica Tandy is a badass and all, but Hoke and Daisy didn't have nothing on Valentine McKee and Earl Bass, played by Kevin Bacon and the underappreciated Fred Ward. Add in Crazy Burt with all his guns, and you've got a timeless classic. Broke into the wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you, you bastard? Anyway, the thing is, as spooky and terrifying as the Hollywood versions of sandworms may be, it's freakier when you understand that they're all based around real sandworms, and while their traits have been exaggerated to scare you, they do mirror natural features and tendencies of these slimy little worms. Many species of sandworms exist on our planet. They can be found in warm and cold climates and go by several different names, including beachworms in Australia, though the name used most often by science to classify them is actually lugworms. Depending on the age and species, sandworms can range in length from a few inches to a few feet. In Alaska, there are sandworms as thick around as a rattlesnake, while other varieties are just ribbon thin. What they all have in common is what are technically called parapodium, but look like tiny legs or little feathers running down each side of their body. And these, of course, help them burrow and move around under the sand. Sandworms can range in color from pink to red, black to green, and brown to orange, but regardless of the shade, they are all just disgustingly, hideously ugly. And unlike nightcrawlers, they have a very distinct head and tail. That head also has a mouth, from which... It launches two retractable, very sharp, hard, and pointy pinchers. That's how these omnivorous worms grab everything from small invertebrates or bits of seaweed to other worms. And if you've ever used them for bait, you know they will make every effort to sink those pinchers into your skin while you're trying to put them on a hook. Sandworms have always both creeped me out and skeeved me out, which is kind of the same thing. But regardless, they've been a top-producing bait for myriad inshore species since, like, the dawn of time. They have a unique smell that fish can't seem to resist, and since these worms are usually buried pretty deep, finding one out in the open is a rare treat for a fish. 
In Australia, there's still a top bait for sea bream. On the west coast of the U.S., they're a top producer of species like surf perch. Out here on the east coast, fluke, flounder, and white perch can't gobble them up fast enough. But they were always best known here as a striper bait, particularly in the early spring when the resident bass go on the feed over warm mud flats. Why then, if this bait is so good and so popular, do you not see it used as frequently as you once did or talked about as often? The simple answer there is cost. It's been years since I've purchased sandworms in a local tackle shop, but I looked online and found a dealer that ships direct. The current rate for a dozen sandworms in the year 2021 is $30. There are tutorials on YouTube for harvesting your own sandworms, but I wouldn't call it quick or easy. First, you have to identify their holes by looking for the tiny pile of sandy spaghetti that the worm discards behind it as it burrows. You have to extract them carefully so they don't break. It's tedious, and most of the sandworms that end up in tackle shops and gas stations along the eastern seaboard come from just a handful of commercial harvesters in Maine. Now, they can only harvest at low tide, and they can only do it by hand. There's no machinery involved. Factor in that the next generation isn't really overly interested in learning that trade, and you've got a severe labor shortage in a niche business that has a hell of a time keeping up with supply and demand. When Berkeley Gulp first introduced its line of saltwater baits many years ago, one of the things they unveiled was their sandworm. It was one of the first true soft plastic baits designed not to be worked and manipulated on a jig head or wacky rig or Texas rig, but rather dead-sticked like a real sandworm. They cost a fraction of the price of the real worms, and I can tell you what, they stayed on the hook a hell of a lot longer. But all these years later, if you walk out on any of the beaches frequented by those looking for that first striper in March or maybe a pile of white perch in the colder months, rest assured, it's the guys that ponied up the 30 bucks that have a few pricks in their fingers from those nasty graboids that are outfishing everyone else. So that's it for this week. But before we sign off, how about one last costume from our amigo and uh, DOS boat star, Captain Frank Crescitelli from Staten Island? Uh, I mean, if you think about it, right, all Halloween really is is the kickoff to a barrage of holidays like coming at your face that you you have to deal with and cannot avoid. So uh, I think this is fitting. This is Captain Frank Crescitelli. And one of the crazy outfits I've worn on Halloween while fishing was a full Santa outfit. I usually break it out on Halloween, but then it makes a reappearance just around that magical time. Classic. Uh, Isn't it? Isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I've actually seen a couple people fishing in like drift boats and stuff, uh, or, or, you know, during steelhead season around Christmas. Right, right. I'm not sure I've ever seen it for Halloween. It it seems like you kind of just wait a couple months and get your Santa fix then. Uh, Well, yeah, that's fair. But I also, I would bet that like a guy like Frank just has a Santa costume he paid a decent amount of money for. So like he ain't going out to buy like a Frankenstein suit on Halloween. He's just like, it. I'll do Santa twice. It's like, it's like a matter of like it's 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 efficiency. It's efficiency. Yeah. Anyway, I hope uh, I hope you guys enjoyed our nod to Halloween. Don't forget, if I end up murdered in my home, it was the Missouri Trout Jigs guy. Uh, <laughs> driving Miss Daisy wasn't as good as Tremors. Brian Wise is a very convincing woman, and Hayden would love for you to invite him over for Meatloaf Monday. Never turn down some meatloaf, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Less is on the radio. Uh, Joe, I got to say, I had, a, uh, I had a blast doing the whole show with you this week. This was fun, dude. Yeah, for sure. I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Ben is probably my favorite show on the entire Meat Eater Network. And after they fire me, it'll probably be the only one I keep listening to. <laughs> nice. That's, that's good. But while I'm still here, uh, friendly reminder to keep those sale bin items, bar nominations, awkward photos, and all that good stuff coming to bent at com. Yes, sir. Uh, also, keep using those Degenerate Angler and Bent Podcast hashtags on Instagram. It's the quickest way to get stickers from us. And finally, after trick-or-treating with the kids this Sunday, do the responsible thing and check all the Reese's and Rolos for embedded sandworms. There's a lot of sickos out there, man. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.